from the HBP studio. You're listening to the 83rd episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast. HBP, I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we avoid taxes and watch the Miami Marlins. Watch the king of the parking lot, Houston Astros, hand out beatings, and the improbable Baltimore Orioles hit them up. We're going to get hit up right now with this delicious beer that I just had a drink of. It's called John Von Banana. Von, John Von Banane. I don't know. I don't speak Dutch. It's a white. It's a white. It's a wheat beer. A Hefeweizen. From a good local American brewery called Juicy Brewing Company in Herndon, Virginia. I was told by the HVP bullpen that there is a character by the name of John Banana in the 2008 video game Call of Duty World at War. I don't know anything about that. I've never played that game. But when it comes to war games, I do remember the 1988 Contra game on the Nintendo NES system that had the bootleg Arnold Schwarzenegger on the cover. (laughs) And I think also a bootleg Sylvester Stallone on the right side of that cover as well. I get in the chopper! That was my terrible Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. And I was thinking, why in the world would you call a beer John Von Banani when it's in uh, Northern Virginia? When's the last time we saw a banana plantation in Northern Virginia? Usually the banana plantations that I know of are in Hawaii, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Colombia. I eat a banana every single morning. I don't drink a beer every single morning. I eat a banana. (laughs) And you know what? How do you eat your banana? Does it have to be super green, unripened? Does it have to be more mature with some color? Personally, I think eating an unripened green banana is gross. These are the hard-hitting questions that we have here at HPB. And on each of these bananas, they always have that sticker of where it, where it, not where it comes from, but what company supplied it to you. It can be Dole, it can be Chiquita, it can be Del Monte. And I looked this up and I was like, you know what? Dole is actually headquartered in Dublin, Ireland. Chiquita is headquartered in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Del Monte is located in Coral Gables, Florida. Again, when's the last time you saw one banana grown in Ireland? It's obvious that Dole is headquartered in Dublin, Ireland for tax purposes. And by tax purposes, I mean not to pay worldwide taxes. (laughs) You know, Google, the company that almost everyone in the world uses at least once a day, they're domiciled for tax purposes in the small island of Bermuda. You know, that hot tech hub in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. If I were to give you a map, and unless you were a cartographer or a geography major in college, you couldn't find Bermuda on the map. I'm not making fun of you. I'm telling you, you would not be able to find Bermuda on the map. <laughs> but again, Google's doing it not to pay taxes worldwide. Dole's doing it not to pay taxes worldwide. Is this an accounting class? Who cares? If you pay attention, you may learn something besides awesome baseball. <laughs> Lastly, in this high-end CPA course that I'm giving out right now, Facebook, or as our overlord Mark Zuckerberg would like to to refer to, Meta, their tax base is in Ireland. Because that's real close to, to Harvard, right? That's real close to Palo Alto, California. Wait, are they located in Palo Alto? I don't care where Meta or Facebook is located but they're, in, they're based in Ireland to avoid taxes. And I'm not saying Chiquita and Del Monte are not. I'm not saying Chiquita and Del Monte are saints who are being located in, headquartered in South Florida. I just wanted to point out to you, 
These companies love to be American when they need to be, and then they love not to be American when they don't want to pay taxes because we don't have that option, right? And so your banana may be provided by a company based in Ireland, a company based in South Florida. And because this is a baseball podcast, I'm going to ask you, what's the most popular team in South Florida? The Atlanta Braves, obviously. (laughs) Or the New York Yankees, obviously. But certainly not the Miami Marlins. There are a lot of Braves fans in South Florida and Miami, to be specific, because of TBS. TBS was on all the time. The Braves are winning every single year, going to the World Series almost every single year. Year, The New York Yankees as well, in the mid to late 90s, going to the World Series all the time, winning, what, four World Series, winning all those division titles, and just being the New York Yankees, the brand in it. The brand itself is super famous. And Miami, when it comes to baseball fans, has the same issue as Washington, D.C., and even Houston, Texas, where sometimes the outside fans overwhelm the locals. I remember during the World Series last year, the Atlanta Braves fans showed out in Houston. And I want to venture to say there were some games that it was about 40% of the fans, maybe 50, but probably around 40% of of the fans during the World Series games in Houston were Braves fan. It was crazy. And of course, when the New York Yankees go to play the Miami Marlins, which isn't that often because obviously the Yankees are in the American League, the Marlins are in the National League. The Yankees fans swamp Miami. Same thing with Boston when the Red Sox are in town. Same thing with the Braves. There's always more Braves. There usually there's more Braves fans in the in the what is it Lone Depot Stadium, a Lone Depot Park, than there are Miami Marlins fans. I can think of three reasons why Miami, the Marlins, have this issue with the, with the fans in Miami. After the Marlins won the 1997 World Series, the, the then owner Wayne Huizenga he said. That's wonderful. This is amazing that we won the World Series. Let's tear the team down. I don't care. (laughs) And so there was no excitement after the World Series. It was like they went from winning the World Series in 1998 to winning the World Series in 1987 to in 1988 basically fielding a quad A team and winning, I think it was like 60 games or something. It was embarrassing. Then, and probably, the Florida Marlins again won the World Series in 2003 with Josh Beckett. And all these young stars, and they were like, wow, this is a really good, surprising team. And of course, Jeffrey Luria, then owner of the Florida Marlins, said, we're going to get rid of everybody. And again, there was no excitement going into 2005. So you build up people's excitement, and there's nothing for you to offer the fans. And then, of course, is when Jeffrey Luria screwed over the taxpayers in Miami-Dade County with that terrible Marlins Park robbery when corrupt politicians and Jeffrey Luria charged a billion dollars to the taxpayers of Miami-Dade County for that space shuttle stadium that now lies off of, uh, what, 8th Street, I think it is? I forget where, where it's exactly located. So basically what I'm telling you is the Marlins bring this all upon themselves. They cannot build a base. A fan base is what I wanted to say. But let's forget, let's forget about history. Right now the, Mar- the Marlins are in like a no-man's land. They're 16 and a half games behind the New York Mets in the National League East Division. Seven games out from the last wildcard spot in the National League. And they have a negative 28 run differential. Am I talking about the playoffs for the Marlins? Maybe, maybe not. I don't want to jinx them. Seven games, you're like, maybe if we have a run, in, if we, have a run we can get to the playoffs. If we don't, well, we're over a dozen games outside of the, outside of the division. What are the Marlins going to do? They're in again. They're in, they're in a no man's land, 
and the Marlins keep doing dumb things to themselves. Just dumb things. As you know, Derek Jeter, the former managing partner as a minority owner of the Miami Marlins, he got booted out earlier this year in February. And we talked about that back in episode 64. Bruce Sherman, who's the real majority owner of the Marlins, he said, get the heck out of here. We don't like your crying around here with your fancy World Series championship rings trying to change the culture of the Marlins to winners. No, Bruce Sherman said, we aren't about that life. Not at all. Get out of here, Derek Jeter. And Derek Jeter resigned because he said, you guys are a bunch of losers. I don't associate with myself. I want to make this place better. And clearly, you guys don't want to put the resources to make this a better organization. And frankly, Bruce Sherman doesn't care. He's a billionaire. He really is. He lives in Naples, which is about a two and a half hour drive from Miami, right across Alligator Alley. And you could see that Jeter was trying to change the, the culture and the players of that team. In the offseason, they signed the World Series Most Valuable Player, outfielder Jorge Soler. They signed him to a three-year, $36 million contract. Unfortunately, Soler is now injured. He's only hit 207 this year, and he's available to be traded away. <laughs> this type of knee-jerk stop-start driving around with a, with a parking brake on is exactly why the Marlins are no good. And Miami, fan, Miami sports fans are amazing, but they can see through the BS. Like, don't sell us a bag of rotten bananas. <laughs> the Marlins have good players. I think all teams have some good players. Another one is they have an all-star. Their third baseman, Brian Anderson, he has an OPS plus of 107, which is just above average, but he's out with a shoulder sprain injury. And I always, and I always think of Jesus, uh, Jesus Aguilar, their first baseman. I think that he's been there forever. Like, he was there in Miami when the founding mother of the city of Miami, Julia Tuttle, said, Miami is now a city back in 1896. I cannot believe that Jesus Aguilar has only been with the Marlins since 2020. I swear to you, I thought that Jesus Aguilar was with that team for like 12 years. And by the way, Julia Tuttle is the only woman. No, 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 no. Let me, let me rephrase that. The city of Miami is the only major city in the United States that was founded by a woman. And you can actually see her portrait at the National Museum of Women in the Arts, which is in Washington, D.C. So cheers to Julia Tuttle as I take another swig of the John Von Banane. Jesus Aguilar has a big, wonderful smile, but there's not a, there's not a lot to smile about because his OPS plus has been 93, below league average. He's only hit 12 home runs. He may be traded away. Who else may be traded away? Garrett Cooper. His OPS plus is 119, just above league average. He's being rumored to be traded away to the LA Dodgers and New York Yankees. I'm sure Garrett Cooper is ecstatic. He's like, when is that phone call coming so I can get the heck away from this terrible Miami Marlins organization and go to LA, go to the Bronx, and actually play for a contender? <laughs> but Garrett Cooper also, there's a theme to this, on the injured list. <laughs> He got hit on the wrist, I think, a week or so ago. But obviously, he's not going to be out for the rest of the year. People still want him because he's a, he's a good player. And the Marlins' most exciting player, Jazz Chisholm, second baseman. He's from the Bahamas. He's also may be traded away, which it, I, I'm speechless. Why would you trade this guy away? His OPS plus is 140. He was just voted to his first All-Star game. But he's been out since the 29th of June with a stress I don't know, sprain, fracture in his back. He's going to be out until September. 
This guy hasn't played baseball in over a month. He still, Jazz Chisholm, still leads the team with 14 home runs. That is terrible that a guy who hasn't played in a month is still leading your team with home runs. I'm not saying Jazz Chisholm is terrible because he's a very good young baseball and exciting baseball player. The fact that everyone else on the team has been unable to exceed his 14 home runs and the guy hasn't picked up a bat in over a month tells you the Miami Marlins are in no man's land. And by no man's land, now that I'm actually thinking about this and thinking out loud, the Marlins are ready to tear everything down. I don't know exactly where. They aren't exactly a playoff team. They've only made the playoffs once during the 2020 COVID strike shortened season. And now they want to give everyone away. Garrett Cooper, Jazz Chisholm, Jesus Aguilar, Cooper, Jorge Soler, uh, Pablo Lopez, their pitcher. What is the point of the Miami Marlins? I can't imagine being a Miami Marlins fan, waking up every day and saying, what dumb things is this organization going to do today? <laughs> I'm not a Marlins fan, but every morning I eat a banana. And yes, it has to be mature. I do not like green, unripened bananas. It's gross. They taste super, super sour. It's gross. But anyways, everyone should be eating a banana a day. High in potassium, especially for you athletes out there. If you play softball, if you play flag football, if you, if you play in your local rec basketball league, soccer league, Australian football league, whatever. Potassium helps you avoid cramps. I learned that on social media. And we're also on social media. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. And our Instagram account is Hipster Baseball Podcast. Give us a follow. Or ignore it like the city of Miami ignores the Marlins every year. <laughs> I'm going to have a drink to that. Cheers to... I love my 305 people ignoring the Marlins. Because unless you put money and resources and serious about that team, there's no reason for any Marlins fan to go and spend $27 for a beer. Right now... The Major League Bay, Major League Babe, Major League Baseball trade deadline is up right now. By the time you listen to it, it'll probably already pass. On Tuesday, the 2nd of August, all the teams, well, the contending teams, are looking for bargains everywhere. But you, my friend, can look for bargains from this week's episode's show sponsor. Because this week's episode is brought to you by McDade's Catalog House, where it costs less to own the best, like fine jewelry, appliances, and cameras. Delight that special lady with beautifully cultured pearls. Or treat yourself to the new JVC cassette tape player. McDade's Catalog House. Where it costs less to own the best. It didn't cost too much to buy this awesome beer. And I'm going to keep drinking it. And I'm sure that at McDade's, you can also get a great deal on TV to watch the Houston Astros. Because right now, the Houston Astros are in first place in the American League West Division. But the Astros are last place in our hearts. Because <laughs> we all know they're the Cheestros. The Cheestros. The Cheaterstros. Whatever. The point is that they had that scandal with the trash cans. And they cheated their way to the World Series victory back in 2017. Also, the Houston Astros have the they, their last place in our hearts. First place in the division. And third place in America. When it comes to the worst traffic in America, I guess that's a good thing not to be in first place. To say your city has the third worst traffic in America. But they do. Houston has the worst traffic in all of Texas. And right now, you might be sitting sideways with the people's champ, Paul Wall, on the 610 West Loop. Which is the worst place in all of Houston to be driving and sitting in traffic. Sit tight. 
while you listen to this podcast or you're listening to Paul Wall because in my humble opinion, I think the people's champ, the hip-hop artist Paul Wall is an underrated H-Town legend. Go on YouTube, go on Spotify, Pandora, Napster, Last.fm, Apple Music. <laughs> I'm just racking my brain and listen to some Paul Wall songs. He's a, the people's champ. And I'm going to be the champion of this beer very soon because I'm finishing it real quick. The Astros are 11 games in front of the second place Seattle Mariners. And they are handing out butt whippings all over the American League. Right after the All-Star break, they played the New York Yankees in a doubleheader. And they beat them both times in one day. Right after that, they went to Seattle. Seattle was in the middle of winning four 14 straight games, feeling good about themselves. You know, all the girls are looking at them or the boys, whatever, whatever floats your boat. And there and that and, and that 14 game winning streak, Seattle was like, yeah, we're back in the wild card race. We can we're gonna chase down the Astros. And then BAM! The Houston Astros just body slammed the Seattle Mariners. They're like, we're gonna take these 14 straight wins from you, smash them in front of your face, spit in your eye. And then put you in a headlock because the Astros swept the Mariners in that weekend series right after the All-Star game. And they're like, enough of this 14-game win nonsense. You with the big dogs now. But then, oddly enough, from there, the Astros flew down to Oakland. And then the Oakland Athletics, the worst team in Major League Baseball, swept the Houston Astros. Again, speechless. And I just keep thinking, how in the world... Are the Astros this good? Or not how in the world the Astros are this good. How in the world are the Astros still this good? Because if you remember, the Astros didn't re-sign pitcher Garrett Cole in during the 2019-2020 offseason. Right after the Houston Astros lost the World Series to the Washington Nationals in 2019, everyone was like, Garrett Cole's probably not going to re-sign with the Houston Astros. And he didn't. Garrett Cole signed that humongous $300 million plus contract with the New York Yankees. And right now, he's... Garrett Cole's doing, he's kicking butt with the New York Yankees. Hold on a second, I'm having another drink. And then last offseason, after the after the Astros lost the World Series to the Atlanta Braves, people were like, maybe shortstop Carlos Correa is not going to re-sign with the Houston Astros. And he didn't. Carlos Correa signed with the Minnesota Twins. With the first place Minnesota Twins in the American League Central Division, mind you. And the Astros replaced Carlos Correa with a young gentleman by the name of Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena's make his salary this year is seven hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I think most of us would love to be making seven hundred thousand dollars a year, but in baseball terms, that's peanuts. Carlos Correa is making thirty-five million dollars with the Minnesota Twins, and you know what? Jeremy Pena's batting, all of his batting stats are basically the same as Carlos Correa's this year with the Minnesota Twins. Again, Pena's making $700,000. Carlos Correa's making $35 million with another other team. And they're batting about the same. So the Houston Astros are getting a humongous bargain from Jeremy Pena. But here's the thing. Carlos Correa is still having a better season with the Twins with his glove defense than Pena is. And frankly, in the playoffs where the Astros are going to be in the playoffs in the American League, that's a, maybe a little bit more important playing with your glove than it is with your bat. And again, they've lost Garrett Cole. They lost Carlos Correa. And you know what? And there's this young pitcher who I thought years ago was already going to be competing for 
all-star selections and one of the best pitchers in the team. The Houston Astros, Forrest, Forrest, I was about to say Forrest Whitaker. I always mess this kid's name up. <laughs> he is not the actor Forrest Whitaker. The pitcher, Forrest Whitley. <laughs> he's the number four prospect in the Astros system. Right now, he's pitching pretty well for the AAA Sugarland Skeeters. But for the past, I think, like three seasons, he's been, there's been so many injuries set back with Forrest Whitley, repeat everybody, Forrest Whitley, with shoulder issues, elbow soreness. He had an oblique injury. He had Tommy John surgery on his elbow. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if I see some headline saying, Forrest Whitley, he has uncombable hair syndrome. Forrest Whitley, he, he's been diagnosed as lactose intolerant. Like, what? What illness does this kid had not have in the past three years? But he's not helping the team. Carlos Correa isn't helping the team. And neither is Garrett Cole. It's the old guys that are keeping the Astros not just relevant, but contenders. This The, the Houston Astros are not a young team. The core of their team are well into their 30s. You have players like Martin Maldonado, Juliel uh, Guriel. You have Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Justin Verlander. And Brantley's, he's been on the injured list for a month since the 26th of, of September, 26th of June, the outfielder, Michael Brantley. And Jose Altuve, their second baseman, he's 32 years old. He's the youngest of that core. He's the young, he, he's the whippersnapper of that core Houston Astros team. Eventually, Father Time wins out. But in the meantime, Houston Astros are just kicking butt and winning game after game after game, as long as they don't play the, the Oakland Athletics. But you know what? I love the Houston Astros pitching. I love it. Speaking of Justin Verlander, he's the 39-year-old wonder boy coming back from Tommy John surgery. I love their left-handed pitcher, Framber Valdez. We talked about him back in episode 37. As a whole, the Astros pitching staff has the best whip in all of Major League Baseball at 1.11. They're allowing just one, just over one runner on base every single inning they have the they've struck out the seventh most batters as a pitching staff they're in sixth place that they've shut out 10 they've had 10 shutouts through the whole season so far and the houston astros pitching is so deep that they're willing to trade one of their young pitchers jose urquidi for a catcher or maybe for some outfield help that's how deep this houston astros pitching is and right now the again the deadline is on is right now on Tuesday the 2nd of August the Houston Astros may trade for their well, the Washington the Washington Nationals first baseman Josh Bell and frankly the Nationals only have two good players <laughs> two good players and that's obviously all universe hitter Juan Soto and then Josh Bell and there's a lot of talk that the that Wilson Contreras the Chicago Cubs catcher is going to be traded to the Houston Astros that that's going to be tough because Contreras is act, is not known to be the best defensive catcher and the Houston Astros have arguably the best defensive catcher in Martin Maldonado. Wilson Contreras can hit. Martin Maldonado can't hit. If you remember, Martin Maldonado hit 172 in the World Series last year against the Atlanta Braves. If the Houston Astros want to get back to the World Series and win, they can't have a black hole when their catcher goes up to bat. And this beer is about to go down very smoothly. And there's also talk that the Astros may, may, may go after the Baltimore Orioles outfielder, Cedric Mullins. The way I see it is this Houston Astros teams, I don't think they're as good as last year's Astros team that went to the World Series, that won the American League pennant and went to the World Series. But I think this Houston Astros team is good enough to take down the New York Yankees. 
because Astro, the Astros right now, I think, are two or two and a half games behind the Yankees. And everyone in New York, no, let me, re, let me rephrase that. Everyone who's a New York Yankees fan and everyone who's a Houston Astros fan know that at the end of the day, all this nonsense about, oh, this team is in wild card to contention, the Chicago White Sox may make a run, this, the Minnesota Twins may be a surprise, the Seattle Mariners are playing really well, and they just they just traded for Luis Castillo to bolster their pitching staff. Cut that nonsense out. That's just to sell clicks, make you stay online, scroll through Twitter, all that nonsense. At the end of the day, the New York Yankees are going to play the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series. They know that. The Astros know that. We know that. And I think the Astros are dying. They're, they're like laughing, waiting for the Yankees to take them down yet again. I think they can do it. Will they do it? I'm not saying they will, but I think they are good enough to do it because the Yankees have not played well at all against the, 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 Houston, the Astros. I think they, yeah, they lost it. The Astros won the season series against the Yankees five games to two. And speaking of teams in contention that are going to drive clicks or not, are the Baltimore Orioles. What Have you been paying attention to this? What in the world's going on in Camden Yards? Two weekends ago, they gave the Yankees at home, at home in Camden Yards, all that New York can handle. The, the Orioles are playing 500 ball. Earlier this month, they, they, they won 10 games in a row. And I love the toughness of this team because they keep winning games by coming from behind. Because that shows character. On the 23rd of July, like I said, at home against the Yankees, they were down 3 nothing, And the Orioles came back and beat the New York Yankees 6-3. to A few days ago, on the 29th of July, they were playing against the Cincinnati Reds. They were down 2 nothing, and they came back to win 6-2. to Right now, the Orioles are three games out of the wild card spot. Don't jinx them. Don't jinx the Orioles. Don't say those things. And all this talk about Baltimore made me think, you know what? Tupac Shakur is from Baltimore. We talked about Paul Wall earlier because he's from Houston. He's repping the H-Town. Tupac Shakur. Everyone says, oh, California, L.A., Tupac Shakur. Tupac Shakur is actually from New York. And when he was a young boy, his family lived, lived. They moved from New York to Baltimore. And as a young man, he for a few years, he attended in high school, the Baltimore School of the Arts, where famously, this part we know, he met and became friends and God knows what else, with the actress Jada Pickett-Smith. So shout out to Tupac. I'm going to have a swig of this delicious beer. There's a beer that I do not drink that's referenced in a Tupac song, I Get Around. Again, you're already on YouTube. You're already on Livewire. Livewire. Limestream. Limewire. Man, I don't know. Just look it up. I get around. There's a beer reference there, but I'm not drinking that beer. I'm drinking this delicious beer that's named after some banana from Ireland. What are we talking about here? The, the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> the Baltimore Orioles are playing really well. They have a run differential of just, just negative six. I think, and I'm not the only one, the reason there's been this renaissance, this renaissance of the Baltimore Orioles this year is to one young man, their rookie catcher, Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman won the 2018 College World Series with Oregon State. As a rookie, he already has an OPS plus of 120, who is that's above average. And since he's been the starting catcher for the Baltimore Orioles, 
the Orioles pitching staff ERA has gone down from, I think it was like in the low fours to like 3.5. Things like that make a difference. This kid is a winner. And I like what the Baltimore's, Baltimore's general manager, Mike Elias, is doing with the draft. He's been drafting a lot of batters. And he came from the Houston Astros. And say what you will, wait, say what you say what you will about the Chistros. <laughs> and now they're old core, but those guys used to be young a long time ago. Mike Elias was the one that drafted Carlos Correa, amongst a bunch of other guys. Because when he was with the Houston Astros, he was the scouting director and assistant general manager. And I know there's rumors out there that they that the Orioles may trade Trey Mancini, and I'm like, why would you trade Trey? Why would you trade him? This is a feel-good story of the team is getting better. The city is starting to get excited about the Orioles. There's the tantalizing prize of a World Series of, of playoff baseball in a few months. Why trade one of your marquee names who's been there through the horrific times that they've gone through? I know Mike Elias right now is looking to bolster their pitching. And they may even, they may even be in line to trade for Urquidia who's the, like I just mentioned with Houston Astros, that the Astros are having him up for sale, basically. He may be heading to Houston. The Houston Astros may be in the market to trade for, excuse me, the Baltimore Orioles may be in the market to trade for the Marlins pitcher, Pablo Lopez. These are the early good times. These are the times you want to get in to be like, yeah, I was there when that band was playing in front of 200 people. I was there when the Orioles were playing in front of 5,000 people. They're actually not. They're actually, they're, they're, the, the Orioles fans are starting to come out into Camden Yards and because they haven't before. And again, like the Miami Marlins fans, you cannot blame the Baltimore fans. In 2021, last year, the Baltimore Orioles had a record of 52 wins and 110 losses. In 2019, the Orioles had 54 wins and 108 losses. And in 2018... Cover your ears. I'm going to say something very vulgar right now. The Orioles had 47 wins and lost 115 times in 2018. I don't care how hardcore fanatic you are about a soccer team, baseball team, tennis player. If they're losing that often, you're finding better things to do with your time. And you're finding better places for your money to go than to watch that garbage compete every single time. And by the time you listen to this podcast, the Orioles may have already won 55 games. Because right now, I think they're at 51 wins. And they have two more months left of baseball. And so you know they're going to win well over 55 games and beat and, and come up with their best record in five years. And the exciting thing for Baltimore is help is on the way. A lot of times I feature these teams and they're like, well, help is not on the way because their farm system is garbage. Whether it's the, the Los Angeles Angels, etc. They have a 22-year-old pitcher who's recovering from Tommy John's surgery. Grayson Rodriguez, I spoke about him back in episode 67. He's going to come back next year. And he was going to he was going to be with the team this year. But unfortunately, he got injured. They have 21-year-old shortstop Gunnar Henderson. Right now, he's with the AAA Norfolk Tides. He's already hitting 302. He's had He has 16 home runs with the team. And the player that I'm most excited about in the Orioles farm system He's 23-year-old shortstop, Cesar Prieto. He's with the double-A Bowie Bay Sox. He's hitting 299 with them with nine home runs. And he's already been promoted from high-A back in May to go up to double-A. 
I really want to go see this guy. I used to see this guy because he's from Cienfuegos province in Cuba, the island of Cuba. I used to see his his games for the his his hometown team Cien what is it what was it team Cienfuegos Los Lo Elefantes de Cienfuegos the elephants of the town of a hundred fires that really is their name that's how you translate it <laughs> Los Elefantes de Cienfuegos the the, the Cienfuegos elephants when he would hit the they they used to show their their games on YouTube the Cuban I think they call it the Cuban National Series. When you heard the ball come off of Cesar Prieto's bat, it was a gunshot. It just sounded different, and I, I was like, "This kid is good." I never thought this guy was going to go to the major league, go go to major league baseball because he plays in Cuba. There's a lot of restrictions, but you know what? He escaped, and there's a uh, there's stories out there you can look up of how he did it. It's uh, very sad that he had to leave the way he did, because you can't just get up and leave as if you were like living in Western Europe or North America. There's restrictions in places like Cuba, places like China, places like Russia. Anyways, I'm really excited. That's the guy I'm most excited about for these Baltimore Orioles. Cesar Prieto, shortstop, Cuban, amazing, amazing hitter. And as crazy as it sounds, it's an exciting time to be a Baltimore Orioles fan. You've got a surprising team that may play in October. And you have so much help coming over the next year or two from the farm. The only downside is the Angelos, the owners of the team, may screw this up. So don't screw this up, Angelos family. Right now, the Angelos are in a family feud. One of the sons of Peter Angelos, who bought the team 20, 30 years ago, one of his sons, Luis Angelos, Luis, not Luis, Luis Angelos, he's suing his 80-year-old mother and his brother, John Angelos. I'm not going to get into it here. Basically, they're fighting for control of the team. And why are they fighting for the control of the team? It's not just power, it's money. As I've said this before, I think in an ep- a, few, a few episodes ago, the Angelos are selling once the old man Peter Angelos passes away. He's 93 years old. I'm not wishing for him to pass away, but nature always calls us to the great beyond. Once he passes away, the family will sell this team. And this, te- and this team will sell for well over a billion dollars. I think Peter Angelos bought the team for just over, I think, a hundred under $200 million 30 years ago. His family is going to reap hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in profit. They don't care about the Baltimore Orioles. They just see it as a cash cow. So whoever is in position to be the one that owns the mo- that controls and owns the most of the club is going to get most of that money. And so that's why you have this disgusting family, family drama of John and his mother, Georgia, and the son and brother, Luis. Luis, why do I keep saying Luis? Luis. Suing each other. Well, not suing each other, but family drama. And about a month ago, Georgia and John met with Major League Baseball executives. Everyone says everything is okay, but we we know that it's not. And Georgia's, Georgia Angelos sent out, sent out, she said, in a statement, she said, quote, I have always believed that family disputes and concerns should remain among family members, end quote. That's a very classy way of saying, leave us alone, but God help us in our dysfunctional family. <laughs> I always find it hilarious. I really find it hilarious. No one ever fights over debts. Do you realize that? If you're going through a divorce, if you're going through issues with your business partner, if you're going through issues with your family over business, no one ever says, I want you to take this $7,000. I, I, no one ever fights. You know what? I want to take those $7,000 $7, in credit card debt. I want to take over 
that $800,000 mortgage that we, that we still have. <laughs> I want to take over that $50 million bank loan that we owe to the bank in October. <laughs> no one ever fights over debt. Nobody. It's only a- over assets, cash, and actual season tickets. And, and animals, cats, dogs, turtles, pet rocks, children, of course. Always got to leave, leave, leave the children out of this, these, this mess. No one ever fights over debt. Hey, why don't you take my student loan? <laughs> no, no, one, no one's fighting over credit card debt student loan. <laughs> the 10 cars that you own or... And to end on a good note for the Baltimore Orioles fans, forget about the Angelos nonsense. They're going to be gone in a year or two. What's going to stay is exciting team. Hopefully Trey Mancini stays and actually sees the Baltimore Orioles be good again. That would be beautiful after the after the man had had to undergo cancer treatment. He fought cancer. He's come back. That would be amazing for him to witness the Baltimore Orioles be good again. And even though Tupac sang about California love, I wish he had made a song called Baltimore Love because I have a lot of love for Baltimore in this podcast. I have a lot of love for Paul Wall and the Houston Astros potentially whooping up on everybody in the American League. And I have a lot of love for the people in Miami for not supporting the treacherous Miami Marlins. And I have a lot of love for good American local breweries supporting American jobs. And I have a lot of love for all of our loyal and beautiful listeners. I want to thank you for listening when we talk about baseball, drinks, the CPA license exam, and everything else under the sun. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, or Spotify. My drink is going to be in the episode description, and a picture of it is going to be on our social media account. Join me next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.